This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. All right, welcome back to NFL Friday. It's week eight. Wow, almost halfway through the season already. I can't believe it's going by this quickly. I'm your host, Christian Goey, and your Jets beat reporter. Unfortunately, no, I'm very grateful. And I'm joined today by Reed Horner and David Ballack to talk the Jets, a little Giants, despite them being on a bye week. Uh, last night's barn burner between the Titans and the Jags. How you guys doing? Oh, I'm great. No, I'm excited great. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Wasn't really excited about Seattle, that that overtime thing, whatever. But um, right. I'm looking forward to this weekend for sure. Well, I mean, Brendan O'Connell's behind the glass, so I'm I'm expecting him to give us some en- energy. Keep if, us on our toes too. You never know what's coming. You know, Brendan, for people, that's terrible. See, see, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what I'm expecting from Brendan. He is maybe the best producer you can have, at least for a podcast. Uh, he comes in with the great clips. And we also have two people uh, spectating today, watching and I'm seeing how we do things. Uh, we have Devin Clemente and Charlie Maizano. So welcome to them as well. Uh, we have a great show. So, guys, let's get into last night's game really quickly. I am not going to subject our listeners to too Titan much Titans Jaguars talk. 36-22. Right. Yep. Titans defeat the Jaguars. Everybody thought it was the toilet bowl, and it pretty much was, except I, I think the Titans surpassed expectations. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Titans <laughs> scored a lot. The score is deceiving, too, for those of you who didn't get to watch the game. The Titans were up 27 nothing after the first half. The game was over at that point. Jacksonville scored 8 in the third. They went for a 2. They scored another 14 in the fourth quarter. But other than that, like, the Titans dominated, and DeMarco Murray looked like DeMarco Murray that we saw basically two years ago in Dallas, right? Their running backs are great. Right. No. Derrick Henry's proving his value despite the de- de- emphasis on the running back position. What do you guys think about Mariota, though? His development as an oh. NFL quarterback. And that, some people are saying that was his best game uh, of his career last night. Granted, it was against Jacksonville. Right. Yeah. But what is up? But this is like, I don't want to talk too much about this game because it's like irrelevant, but what is up with Blake Bortles getting garbage time fantasy points? Reed is, by the way, doing fantasy today. Yeah, He's doing I, a little double I duty because we're a little shorthanded. But I started Mariota over Bortles in fantasy. <laughs> Mariota starts off the game looking fantastic, and he gets 10 less points than Bortles. Yeah, yeah. Bortles, I'm furious. Is, Bortles goes for 337 yards and three touchdowns when he only really did anything in the fourth quarter. I saw a stat <laughs> today, actually. Blake Bortles has is the highest-rated fantasy player in the fourth quarter in the oh last year. He's a great which example. Which is ridiculous. He's a great example about how fantasy football is a little different than actual football in the <laughs> sense that you don't necessarily start players that are the best at their position. Sometimes they're like Blake Bortles, and they're so bad they're good in the sense that Maybe they just suck at scoring. They're down by 20. They have no choice but to chuck it down the field. Right. That's the thing I will point out about this game, too, fantasy-wise, with the Titans getting up early by so much. Bortles finished with 54 passing attempts. He only completed 33 (laughs) of them. But eventually you're going to get yards out of that, right? Yeah. And and by the way, I I loved those jerseys. You do? I love the color. You like the Jaguars? I do. Which one? You like the Jaguars? The gold ones? Uh, I mean, like they're like mustard yellow. Whatever, I, I love is, it. Gold is a nice. I compliment. love any time the NFL tries to do something new with the jerseys. I I wish they had like I almost agree. a new one every year. I agree, but not in that way. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't like the. Jaguars. Nah, they weren't they weren't as bad as everybody was making them out to be. Everybody was like, 
They look like mustard. Crazy. They look like mustard. <laughs> After true. what the Steelers wore like a week or two ago, two weeks ago, you're gonna get on the Jags for their jerseys. I hate. That's the one jersey I can't stand. <laughs> the Steelers ones. The I'm Bumblebee always jerseys. iffy about them. I can't. They're, they're retiring those now for good reason. The Bumblebee ones. They're kind of fun. I yeah. don't know. Well, you know, I just want to say like one thing about the Titans. Look, the running backs are phenomenal. Uh, Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry. They have a good problem there. You would love to get Derrick Henry more carries, maybe, but DeMarco Murray looks like the guy he was in Dallas. And at quarterback, Mariota is one of those, you know, he's safe with the football, but yet he's an explosive athlete. So he gives you the best of both worlds. He's not dumb. He's not going to throw those bad interceptions. He's not going to have crucial turnovers. But yet he is capable of flicking the ball downfield like he did last night or running for a touchdown. No, I the Murray point is, is very good because I thought – once he went to Philly, it was, oh, he only had success because of that Dallas offensive line. But he's now showing that he does have some some capacity to be a number one running back for a team. I'm not sure. I kind of think the fact that they have two running backs helps both of them. I don't mm-hmm. think either one of them could be on their own successful. But that being said, you're right. There are good things to come for that team. And to your Mariota point, I mean, he's a very he's a decent quarterback. I don't know if Mariota is really, really – Ever leading a team? Wait, you think he's above average? Hey, yeah. I don't think he's ever think leading he's a team to a, through a long playoff run or anything like that. Even like I'm saying, even it's a little a, early. But even with a better team, I don't see Mariota as that type of quarterback. He's a solid QB. He takes care of the ball pretty well. Has a 63 percent completion percentage this year. He has a lot of fumbles this year with six. Is something I'm noticing. Oh, okay. So well. turning the ball over there when running the ball is is an issue. I, he's solid, but I don't. I'm not like he doesn't really have a high on Mario. Well, he's not he's not well rounded. He's not the type of quarterback that you can put in any system with any team and, and expect a certain level of success. I, I think don't know he is, how you got that conclusion based off the fact that he's only played like not even a full season. Why well, coming into the NFL, I believe this. I think he has a certain set of skills. He's very athletic. He can do certain yeah. things, but he's not well rounded enough that you can turn him into anything. So you need to find a system and a coach, maybe who knows someone like Chip Kelly. That can take advantage of his uh, skills and maybe yeah. have him, let him let him succeed in the league. I think it's a little early. I think you guys are being a little harsh on Mariota. I think he doesn't have a number one receiver, so it's tough for him to put up prolific passing numbers. But, you but see, right right now, let's say you think Mariota is like a top fifteen quarterback no in the NFL? Way. No, no. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'd have to go down the list. I don't really. There's know, no way he's not a top. You, you've been used to too many quarterback situations like the Jets. All right. <laughs> All right. There we well, go. We're gonna get into the. Well, let's get into the Jets uh, in just a minute. But first, let's get our first fantasy. We were talking about fantasy. So let's get our first fantasy segment of the of the night. Uh, who to start from Reed Horner? It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. So I'm going to start off at quarterback, Derek Carr for the Raiders, who's quietly becoming the best QB in his draft class and I think a future MVP of our league maybe. He has 13 TDs this year and three interceptions, over 1,800 yards with a 97.2 passer rating. And on top of that, he's going going up against the Buccaneers, who are 26th in points allowed and allow 237 yards per game. So I think he's going to have a field day. Michael Crabtree, who's also emerged as a great receiver for him. Derek Carr's a great start. And then I'm going to go wide receiver, Doug Baldwin. Okay. Now, yeah. Um, they're going to be playing on the road, so you would think that would that would hurt the, the his success. But they're actually going to be playing in a dome, which I which oh, is New proven. Orleans. They're playing in New Orleans. Yeah. Playing in a dome has proven easier passing numbers will be put up. I think this right. game is going to be a shootout as well. So I think he's going to he's Russell Wilson's favorite target, so he's going to get targeted a lot in a shootout. 
And the Saints are the third worst passing defense in the NFL. Yeah. So all those th- always numbers- bet against the Saints. Yeah, when, no, I think their offense is really dynamic. Yeah. When but, it comes to fantasy, you start no, when, guys against the Saints. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm hoping, I'm urging everyone listening to start him because I don't think many people have thought to start him, especially yeah. after last week. But he's going to put up some great numbers, I think. Yeah, I like both those picks. I mean, Derek Carr, you're you're absolutely right. He's emerging as an absolute stud. Uh, I mean, he was great last year as well, but it's become a weekly basis where he just puts up huge numbers. I could see him being an MVP of the league also. If not, would, not this year. I said like a future oh, MVP. Right, right, right. Uh, of course. Uh, like, they need a better defense is, is what Oakland needs, and I think that's what we're all surprised about is Oakland's defense. E- Oakland came in with Khalil Mack and a lot of free agent signings, and you're thinking Oakland's defense is going to be uh, fi- – they're finally going to be a complete team, but uh, that hasn't happened. And as for Doug Baldwin, I think that's a great pick because New Orleans' pass defense is Swiss cheese, and <laughs> Doug Baldwin's a good player as it is. So I like both those picks. Why, thank you, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling go. double duty, you're, you're hosting, you're doing I mean, fantasy. I'm not mean, really doing anything is, different, just talking a little bit more in depth. I mean, I you only pick it. two guys, but whatever. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I should get fired. I'm slacking. <laughs> well, thanks, Reed. Uh, let's get into some Jets talk now. All right, so Gang Green is now 2-5. and five. I was there at the game. They beat Baltimore by a score of uh, 24-16. I prepared a report, so let's listen to that now before we get into our conversation. The roller coaster continues, Jets fans. With a 24-16 win over the Ravens last Sunday, Gang Green snapped a four-game losing streak and improved to 2-5. and five. Not only that, but Geno Smith ended up tearing his ACL in the second quarter, so Ryan Fitzpatrick's benching was short-lived. Fitz didn't look bad, and Matt Forte finally regained his impact with over 150 total yards and two touchdowns. But the offense wasn't the key. The defense finally looked in tune, even without Muhammad Wilkerson, who has an ankle injury. They allowed just 11 rushing yards and picked off Joe Flacco twice. So now it's on to Cleveland, who is yet to win a game this season. Fitz should be back for at least a few more weeks, unless the season spirals out of control. And while head coach Tom Bowles is yet to name his number two quarterback, neither Petty nor Hackenberg are ready. Fitzpatrick certainly made headlines after a certain quote from Sunday's postgame. The biggest thing in this game in order to last is to have belief in yourself, you know, because when the owner stops believing in you and the GM stops believing in you and coaches stop believing in you, sometimes all you have is yourself. And he's absolutely right. He's going to have to believe in himself because not many people have any reason to trust him with the ball. This game against the Browns seems like an easy win, but now that Josh McCown is returning as their quarterback, it may very well be a trap game against a desperate team. Luckily, the Jets are also desperate, especially Fitzpatrick. So despite having a banged up team with players like Nick Mangold, Buster Screen, Darren Lee, and others most likely out, I think they'll get the win. 24-14 Jets is my prediction. And all of a sudden, they'll be 3-5 and five with games against Miami and L.A. remaining until the bye. 5-5 five and five is certainly possible. Covering the... I'm Christian Goey, WFUV Sports. All right, so that's my pick. Jets over Cleveland 24-14. They're going to be 3-5, and five, fellas, and... This has been a wild season. I mean, I've gotten a chance to cover the team. I've, I thought 
you know, we went into the season with big expectations, Jets fans, and they had a complete roster, and you with a subtle little laugh right there. I don't appreciate that. Um, they went to 1-5 after a brutal sketch. Never seen such a lopsided schedule for the Jets, but I'll try not to make excuses. And uh, here we are with a weak schedule before the bye. The Jets have Cleveland at at Cleveland, at Miami, and then home against L.A. before the bye Hopefully they can get to 5-5, five and five, guys. What do you think of their standings right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a tough season for them so far, starting off 1-5, and five, like you mentioned. But when you go through the schedule that they had, they really didn't lose any games that you would say, like, oh, they definitely should have won this game. You know, the Bengals right. game was close, 23-22. But, like, I, I, going into that game, I would say the Bengals are a better team than the Jets. Okay, personally. fair enough. I'm, I'm not a Jets fan, but I, I think the better the Bengals have a better team. And all the rest of those games, those are tough games. They, now, they weren't close. Like, maybe they should have been. They should have been closer games for the Jets. But, yeah, I I think they have a good shot of going 5-5 five and five now. Do they make the playoffs like Corey Miller said two weeks ago? I it's, don't see the, that. The thing happening. that's tough about that is it depends on who else is in the wild card race. Right. So, if Buffalo, who's facing the Patriots. But the Jets uh, also need to come away with a big win over someone left on their schedule right. in order for that to happen. Right. Well, first uh, off, I want to commend you. Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> exactly. You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> Brendan just ruining my night. <laughs> <laughs> I want to commend you on the music for your report, by the way. Very calming. Okay, um, thank you. Thank you. But not exciting. At least I got that right. Much like, much like the Jets season, yeah. honestly. I think <laughs> hey, this is one of the most disappointing seasons for the Jets, only because I, coming into it, I believe we were on the first show, actually, of the year. I thought they actually had a lot of potential to succeed because they I had the most— I think most people did. They You're had not. the most—I'm not saying I was unique, but yeah, they yeah. had the most talented roster they've had in years, and it's just gone down the drain. And you can say the roster, the schedule, whatever. Yeah, the schedule hasn't been super easy, but how can you expect to win a Super Bowl— I'm not going to let you get me angry. —against teams that are going to be in the playoffs? <laughs> like, you can't beat teams that are going to be in the playoffs. So I don't understand that whole idea. If they can't beat them now, what yeah. makes you think they can beat them later in the postseason— when the playing is even more intense. True. But also, this whole Fitzpatrick situation. Now, I don't think in any— Worst gamble on a player that a player's taken on himself, maybe ever. The yeah, one-year I don't, contract, I, right? I, I, I think they kind of—I mean, we went over this. I think they overpaid, and they didn't have any other option. Um, side note, who knows? Romo could be in the Jets jersey for next year. But <laughs> this year, I think he's their best option. I never thought even when he was healthy, Geno Smith was going to be their savior. Mm. I actually prefer Fitzpatrick in there. But— uh, this whole me against the Jets mentality he has, it may be good for one game, maybe two, I don't think especially against the Browns, but I don't think you can approach the entire season being angry at every single person in the organization. I, I do think it should be clarified that, uh, you know, it's not, to me it's not Fitzpatrick me against the Browns, I mean against the Jets. It's it's not him against the organization because he was like benched. It. No, I mean, look, it, it's it's normal to be frustrated after getting benched and – he has only himself to blame, really. Right. But, you know, it was a very lopsided schedule. Uh, I, I try not to make excuses, but I get angry thinking about how they made the schedule. I think it's absurd that they had to face five playoff teams in their first six games of the season, go to KC, face Seattle, a Super Bowl favorite, and then go to Pittsburgh. I just thought it was a ridiculous schedule to begin. Um, and then the second half of the schedule is much easier, but you still have to face the Patriots twice. So I just oh, thought that's that, division, but yeah. Well, but you, you could, wanted to face one of them in the first half because then it's still even I harder, I right? I, it's but not, I, I don't what, understand this. That's like, not my if main. If you want them to make the playoffs, 
then they should be able to beat. Right, these they teams. have to win it. No, I, it's not I, a complete excuse, right? No, but, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying like they they should go one and five, but I just think they were set up for failure essentially. And uh, I don't think Fitzpatrick is me against the Jets. I just think he's a little frustrated, and he was actually asked uh, in the in the in the press conference room whether or not he sh- he's going to play angry for the rest of the season. So he was asked that question. He, he did respond yes. But uh, it wasn't like him just coming out of nowhere and saying, I'm going to play angry. I can't say the word he used. I don't think I can. So um, <laughs> so I, I, I think Fitzpatrick's getting flack for that comment. I don't know why. Well, the thing I would have liked to hear from him is like a little bit of ownership for the fact that he leads the NFL in interceptions. He does with, take with, ownership, typically. I know, but like to say, like I, I think it's fair that people lost confidence, and it was fair that he got benched when he did. I don't know. Oh if, yeah, it was I don't know fair. if Geno necessarily should have been the starter for that Baltimore game. I think I might have gone back to Fitz for it, yeah. even though they took Fitz out in the, the game before. But I mean, the fact that you got benched was your fault, and it wasn't because people stopped believing you. It was because Most you threw 11 interceptions. That's why. Yeah, that's such a good point. I was laughing so much. I thought it was the pettiest thing ever. Because Pet- he's, petty. He's, talk- <laughs> he's talking down to the entire organization as if he's like Tom Brady or, or Peyton Manning that they stupidly benched for some well, young up-and-coming upstart. No, You're right. He threw six picks in one game, and the team is 1-5. in five. He didn't call them stupid. He said they lost faith, faith in me, which is clear is that they did, they did because they benched him. That's what I'm saying, but he's acting as if they are stupid to do so. No, he's... I mean, they, if like, you have any self confidence and any self integrity, you're, of course you're gonna you're, you're gonna think it's the wrong move. I'm not saying he he has he does he should be blaming them, but I don't blame Ryan Fitzpatrick for saying what he said. Well, do do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to be a franchise quarterback? Of course, who okay. doesn't? Right, I want what, to. What franchise quarterback comes out and calls out your owner? Whether you're frustrated or not, your owner, but he knows he's your not coach. But, but nothing he said was inaccurate, right? Like everything just he said. Just because it's ina- not inaccurate, I didn't love. I didn't, I didn't love the comments either. But I, I don't know. I don't think they're that big of a deal. Or going to no, play I don't be think an issue going forward. I think a franchise quarterback doesn't come out and he's say things like that. Which I'm not. Saying, my point exactly. But for the big, the good organizations, the winning teams, this kind of stuff doesn't happen. It but stays in house. But you know how in baseball they say like you can't manage on a one year contract. Managers have literally left during the season because they are on a one year contract. He's doing the same thing. It's not fun to play that way, and so he's right. And he's not a franchise quarterback. I don't think he should necessarily be acting. Anyway, that let's just get to the to the, 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 to the, the fact that it's a trap play. game, right? Yeah, I, I think this is a trap game, but I don't think it can be under. It can be stated enough. Eric Decker's absence plays a huge role in the way For this sure. team is played. He he is huge in that slot role as a bigger receiver, a big matchup he's problem. A, he's a safety cushion, right? Yeah. When the play's not going well, you have Eric Decker to lean on. And, and look, Quincy Anunua has stepped up, and he's been unbelievable, that, really. That run against the Ravens yeah. for that touchdown when he caught it in yard. the slot and just turned him. Yep. That breakaway speed was something we haven't seen out of Anunua so far this year. Yeah, and, and I... I wonder how much that plays into the way the Jets have played. And I'm, again, I try not to make excuses, but you should factor in all these variables to the way they've played. And I think Eric Decker's absence has played a big role in the way their offense has played. Um, and, you know, against Cleveland, I think they should win. But Josh McCown is now back. Uh, and he, Most likely. And he's a pretty good quarterback, Josh McCown. People look at the numbers, they look at his age, and they say, oh, wow, he, he's, he's nobody, he's a scrub. But... He does play well sometimes, and he's got a big number one receiver in Terrell Pryor now. So, and Isaiah Correll's been running the ball well, and I like Hugh Jackson as a coach, and it's in Cleveland. Guys, are, do you agree with me? Is this a trap game? 
Yeah, well, for all the negative things I've said about the Jets right now, I do think they're better than what the record says. You're right. It has been a hard slate. Now, I don't think they're a playoff-quality team, but they're definitely good enough to beat the Browns no matter who's quarterbacking them. Um, you're right. This is a trap game, though, because if they lose this game, they better be they better be coming to this game with all their effort because if they lose this game, every single chance at a playoff is thrown out the door. Oh, it's they're, done. They're done. Season's done. So they can't be looking at this as an 0-7 Browns team. This is an easy win for us because if they do... They're going to have a hard rest of the season. Boy, Cleveland against the world. <laughs> You're right. The Cle- Cleveland's team is maybe a little bit better than people might realize. So Cleveland is averaging more total yards per game. They're averaging more points per game, more rushing yards per game, and their passing yards per game are right around the Jets' territory too. So don't underestimate Cleveland. They should come away with the win. And it, I, Honestly, I would go as far as to say this is a must-win for the Jets. If they, oh, it's, if they lose, it is done. Oh, yeah. They have to win this game. I think we're game. all in agreement there. If they lose against the Browns, it's Petty or Hackenberg, who, by the way, Todd Bowles still has not announced who the number two quarterback is on the depth chart. And Bryce Petty's been back for a week and a half or so, a week to two weeks, and uh, after injuring his shoulder, a bruised shoulder injury, uh, in the fourth week of the preseason against Philly, I don't know if this is more, you know, working your way back from injury, trying to grasp the offense, or if it says a lot about what they think of Bryce Petty. So I'm interested to see. Yeah, who, I was. I wanted to know. You've been around the team. Who do you think should be the? I mean, I think two? it should be Bryce Petty based off of how Just he played in the preseason. That's yeah. a great call. I, I Christian Hackenberg. But I mean, you didn't even ready. get to see Hackenberg, right? Like, well, Hackenberg. Look, I saw he him barely t- played the fourth game. He's so. a, he's a fish out of water sometimes in, in practice. He 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 is definitely very raw. Uh, Petty needs game action. You need to see what you have in these guys at some point. Uh, you know, you can't just make a quick decision on somebody without ever seeing him play a pro snap. But here's my thing. The fact that they chose Hackenberg, when they did, I basically said, okay, the Bryce Petty era for the Jets is essentially over at this point. Because to me, that said— Second-round pick is a big investment. Whatever they've seen in him in the dra- like in training camp and practices and stuff like that they didn't like and were ready to move on from there so maybe they're not ready to put Hackenberg at number two right now but I don't see Petty really ever getting a shot at this job well that's why that's why this game against Cleveland will be so big I think the next man up will be Petty even though Bowles has not announced his his choice yet you know if 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 they're two and six and Potentially two and seven after after the game in Miami, who's been very hot with Jay Ajayi emerging. You're looking at probably one of the two young quarterbacks in there. Well, to win the game, the Jets maybe you go into the bye with with Fitzpatrick, but then after the bye, you... no, you're right. I think to win the game though, the, this game they need to focus on their defense because the Jets do have a good defense. Right. No, no matter how shaky their quarterback situation is, and you talk about developing a young quarterback. I think you do that once you know the season's lost. You know, yeah. right now they still have hope to make the playoffs, and if they do that, I still think Fitzpatrick gives them the best opportunity to do so. But if they if they want to win this game, they need to forget about their quarterback situation and focus on stopping the Browns' running attack and forcing their, their them to outthrow them, which I don't think they can do. Right. So you guys both think the Jets win? I think the Jets win. Okay. I, think I think I think it's closer than your ten point there. I think it's a one score game. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I I look at I, mean, look, I could see Cleveland winning, so that's definitely fair. I think I think can. it's gonna be like fourteen ten, <laughs> like a low scoring. You're right, close game. When you look and at if, this for Cleveland's side, this is Cleveland's probably best shot at a win all season. Yeah, man, yeah. I don't so think. I would think they don't want to go zero and sixteen. So the, it's a must win game for the Jets. But if Cleveland's looking at their schedule. Going forward, they have Cowboys. I mean, the Ravens, they could but beat it, it, Steelers, Giants, Bengals. 
that's a lot of losses right there. I'd want to go 0 and 16 to get yeah. that first pick in you, the draft. Hello. You play to win the exactly. game. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't play to just play it. You, you, you play to get the when you're this bad. You play to get the first pick in the draft, and I think they could end up getting a one in fifteen. One in fifteen will get it. You don't want to be zero and sixteen. Okay, but you're not going to remember a one in fifteen and zero and sixteen season right. five years later. You're going to remember your franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah, but you can get it either way. And the Browns will mess up that pick either. They're not going to get a franchise quarterback. Oh, because there's just pessimism coming so from just David. To, <laughs> just, <Come> on, David. <laughs> just to start wrapping up the Jets segment. So if if they do beat Cleveland, what do you think? Do you think their odds of making the playoffs are? Increasing significantly, or you think it's still a big long shot? I think I big think long it, shot is in double long shot. I think it's still a, <laughs> a pretty big long shot. I don't. It's hard for me to see a scenario where it really happened. Obviously, like you can play it out. I just don't see them having those big wins in them that they need going forward. If they win, no shot. If I mean, if they lose, no oh, shot. If sure. they win, I'll give them about a thirty-five percent chance because they do have a talented roster besides right. the quarterback. And you're right, the schedule does get easier. I would say it would be around thirty-five percent or forty percent if they had Decker. If they had Eric yeah, Decker, exactly. that offense I think would have a lot easier over time. Without Eric Decker, they're pretty limited. Um, but I still like their team. I still think if you get to five and five at the bye, you have a legitimate chance at the playoffs. I mean, you'd have to win pretty much every game. Including, including two against two the Patriots, against the Patriots. But, uh, but they've always every year no matter how bad they've been they've always seemed to win at least one against the Patriots so I don't yeah. think that's as hard a mountain to climb as someone may say yeah anyway we're due for some fantasy talk so Reed why don't you give us your uh your players to sit this week okay so we're gonna start off with a quarterback you're gonna want to sit his name is Samuel Jacob Bradford for the Vikings now again for a second straight week well, well, you didn't. Pick I, him last I didn't. Week. I didn't pick him last. But he was week. awful last. But he was awful last because he sacked six times, hit twelve, and now I think Bradford was a savior, savior for the team. But that's because he just kind of filled the role. Mm-hmm. He's not going to put up great numbers. He hasn't all year, and he's traveling to Chicago now. This is a theory I have about his career. We all know Chicago is the windy city. It's getting cold now. It's going to be hard to throw there. Bradford, his entire career has played in throwing in environments that cater to a thrower you know he went to college in Oklahoma in the warm south started mm-hmm. off in St. Louis in a dome that the only year he wasn't in a dome or in a warm area was with the Eagles and he threw 19 touchdowns or 14 interceptions so even though unlike most Minnesota quarterbacks I see him he's because he's obviously playing in a do- dome this year I see him actually going to Chicago and really kind of suffering from last week's hits if you if you will okay um and then you're gonna want to sit isaiah crowell for the the running back for the browns we talked about that i think the the jets have a lot of problems but they have the second ranked rushing defense in the league allowing only 74.9 yards i think the browns are gonna a lot of this has to do with the browns game plan as well i think they're gonna try and come out in this game and start throwing early to get a jump on the Jets. I think they're going to fail at that. But then I think they're going to continue to throw because they're down. <laughs> trying to come back, if that makes sense. So I think even though he's going to get a lot of attempts, it doesn't mean he's going to get a lot of a, yard, a lot of yards. So okay. I would sit him as well. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the Jets' rushing defense has been very good for some time now. They allowed 11 yards uh, through, on the ground against Terrence West and the Ravens. So uh, their defense got back to normal this past Sunday. And Sheldon Richardson, guys, looked so good, and yeah. it, that was in the absence of Muhammad Wilkerson, so he was playing more defensive end as opposed to sometimes standing up in coverage at yeah, outside linebacker. Yeah, a little bit more natural position. For yeah, and he was asked about that multiple times, and he basically said, yeah, I mean, that's my natural position. I'm better closer to the ball. So I, I think that's a good pick, and, you know, Bradford, I don't – facing Chicago. I, exactly. I mean, he's playing a, t- a 
tough, de- like a bad defense in the Bay. So, so his, his offensive line, I I don't trust that much. I never thought he was a world beater to begin with. I think he's a really great. Acquiring him was amazing for the Vikings, but if you're talking from a pure numbers standpoint, I don't see him putting up a lot this week. Honestly, okay. See. All right. Uh, let's get into some Giants and uh, NFC East talk. So, the Giants have a bye week this Sunday, but they're coming off a win in London against the Rams, 17-10. They're now 4-3, and three, and our Giants beat reporter, Tom Scabelli, has a report. Seven games down, nine to go. The Giants enter their bye week at almost the halfway point of their season, and what an interesting one it's been so far. Most recently was the 17-10 win over the Rams in London. The Giants' offense was stagnant once again. They had just 232 total yards and only one offensive touchdown. But as it has quite a bit this year, the revamped defense came through. They picked Case Keenum off four times and sacked him three times. Landon Collins led the team with eight tackles and had two interceptions, returning one of them for a touchdown. He's quietly working his way into the All-Pro discussion. Overall, like all of their wins this year, it was ugly, but it got the job done. So the Giants enter the bye week 4-3. They're last in a strong NFC East, but there's plenty of time to go. The main thing the Giants need to address is their offense, and nobody thought that would be the case. They rank 20th in yards per game and 25th in points per game. The running game and offensive line definitely need to improve, but the offense also has to stop being so basic and predictable. They've lined up with one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers in 96% of their snaps this season. Beckham, Shepard, and Cruz are the three best playmakers, but the offense still needs more variety. The main reason McAdoo got the head coaching job is because of how productive his offense was the past two seasons. They need to return to what worked. If the offense improves and the defense continues to perform, the playoffs aren't just possible, but they're probable given the second half schedule. They open with three straight home games against the Eagles, Bengals, and Bears, and then go to Cleveland. If they can win even three of those, they'll head into the home stretch at 7-4, and four, and I'll take Eli over any quarterback in the division down the stretch. Between the Beckham issues, the Josh Brown situation, and an ineffective offense, the Giants are lucky to be 4-3. and three. It's time to get hot and make a run for that fifth Lombardi trophy. With this week's Giants Report, I'm Tom Scabelli, WFUV Sports. Great job, as usual, by Tom Scabelli, our Giants beat reporter. Very high on the Giants there. It sounded yeah, at the end. Saying they need to get high. I mean, it's definitely uh, mentioning Super Bowl runs. Not out of, out of the reach. Uh, they're four and three, but they're not even second in the division. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Dallas first. I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw it coming, given the fact that Romo, Romo got yeah. hurt and the Eagles were supposed to be in rebuilding mode. But that is the order: Cowboys, Eagles, who face each other uh, Sunday night, and we'll talk about that as well. Are you guys surprised at where the Giants sit currently in the NFC East? I'm not surprised necessarily because of the emergence, as we said, of Dallas, but I am surprised about the lack of production from their offense because coming into the season, I thought they had the chance, at least passing-wise, to be maybe the most dynamic um, passing attack in yeah. the league, and they failed to do so. And luckily, I think their two hundred whatever, how much two hundred million dollar defense, whatever, they has a lot of money on their defense. Yeah, yeah, they has helped the bleeding. But I don't know if I'm as optimistic. I, as I, Tom, I, no, I'm not either. I, 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 
the problem is the New York Giants have made a history of being average and then having playoff <laughs> success, so they could catch fire. I'm never going to discount them again, but I can't look at them and tell you I think they're going to have a lot of success come postseason. Well, you talk about the disappointment of their offense, and the reason, the main reason for that is their offensive line, which was the issue that they failed to address in this offseason. They got the defense better by spending all that money, like you mentioned, but they didn't address their offensive line issues, and Eli took a beating those first five weeks or so. The last two weeks against the Ravens and the Rams, he was a little bit more comfortable, had a little bit more time, and played better. But even against the Rams last week, they didn't look that good. Landon Collins' return for uh, the touchdown on the interception was the difference in this game and was really what brought back the Giants. The Rams' offense was awful. They scored a touchdown off of a Giants fumble, and they had a field goal the first drive and then did nothing the rest of the game. But the Giants didn't really do much either. Their offense only comes through with 10 points. I don't I don't know where this optimism is. I mean, I guess the Giants, like you mentioned, they've had this, but I'm not that optimistic for them either. I, I feel like evaluating a team on their success when they travel to London is pointless. <laughs> I, I'm, I know it sounds stupid, but it's a big endeavor to travel all, all across the pond, as they say. Go play literally in another country. They're tired. Your sleep schedule. What, they played what, like? 8.30 in the morning our time. I 9.30, think, yeah. 9.30 in the so. morning. There's a lot of added adjustment to an already difficult sport. So I would just say, even though they didn't look great against the Rams, I don't think that's going to be indicative of their play going forward. But I know what you're trying to get at. I mean, they're both, that, both teams have that disadvantage. I would say for the Thursday night, I really don't value how a team plays on a Thursday night game. But these teams go, they usually, the Giants went a little bit later. I believe they went on Thursday or Friday. The Redskins, who went this week, went today and we're there this morning so if you go on a wednesday you're adjusted to the time zone at that point but you have to eat british food i think you guys are making way too much of this <laughs> traveling situation no i don't think the traveling is uh, that big of a deal is this is I'm like saying. going into like a five minute conversation on london like i i, I uh, well maybe i'm getting off i agree track about, i, I agree. don't like teams playing in london but. i agree there is a difference but like these two teams play the way i think we thought they were going to play I, I think they are who we thought the they rams were. were a legitimate uh you could you could easily pick the rams to win but by no means were the Rams a head and shoulders above, you know, a team above the Giants, and I could see the Giants winning this game, and they did. Both teams are not very good. That's what I'm saying. Is I don't think the Giants are very good. But that, that's my point to this game. The importance that this game revealed was that if the Giants were the team that maybe Tom is saying that they are and could be, then they would have played a better game against the Rams than they what? did here. And it, so I think it shows a lot that they're not that good. But you know what? I will say this about the Giants. They have not been impressive on either side of the ball. And like you said, Reed, I thought they were going to be a great passing team given all their weapons with Beckham, Shepard, Shepard and Cruz back. Even if Cruz was 50% of what he used to be, I still thought that was and a Cruz good And Cruz has looked good when he's gotten the opportunity yeah, to play. Yeah, he's looked pretty good. He's dropped the ball a couple times, but he's looked good. <laughs> you know, like, I like the sub. <laughs> no, but he, he, has, he has had some drops issues apparently. And uh, – it's really their offensive line, but still you thought they would play better given their talent, and they haven't been impressive, but they're pulling out wins even when they don't play well, and I think that says something. When you're, when you're, when you're above 500 despite not playing well, you have that ability to squeak out games maybe, and it's early in the season, and the Giants tend to get hot. They, no Tom Coughlin, I understand, but Eli Manning is still there, and you still have Odell Beckham Jr., and they can get hot, and, and that is always the concern for teams in the NFC East and 
any team in the league is the Giants come December. This is a misconception about the Giants team. I think many people have. You talk about them. They can get hot. That They're this team that can be average and then catch fire. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the Giants' offense can catch fire. But if you look at those teams that made those runs, those unpredictable runs, they always had a great defense. Yeah. They always had a strong uh, pass rush, for example. And that's the only reason I would maybe be with Tom and saying that they could make a playoff push because their defense this year has been good and solid. And as I mean, they have been, been average compared to what they thought it was going to be. No, I know, but that's expectations is everything. I mean, I think their defense is definitely serviceable, and if they improve a little bit, Eli Manning is just one of those guys who it's like his play is like schizophrenic. Like one, <laughs> like one day I feel like he's going to throw for six touchdowns. The other days I don't know how he's in the league, and that's how his entire career has been. So everything in my gut tells me they're not going to succeed, but something's telling me somewhere that they, they have a chance to make a run like they always have tried to. Okay. Well, looking past the bye week, I think, is where we're really going to find out who this Giants team are. They play the Eagles. They have an extra week to prepare for the Eagles. They get to watch this game against the Eagles, and this division, this is a huge week for this division to see where we're going to go, and we'll see if the, Gi- if the Giants can get a win over the Eagles and move up to 5-3 and three with the Eagles either losing um, against the Cowboys this week and kind of falling out of the division a little bit if they then lose to the Giants as well, yeah. or the Cowboys starting to run away with this, and then the Giants are going to wild card matchup. Yeah, so, and, big week. and it's a big it's a big week in the division despite no Giants. You have the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, in Dallas uh, Sunday night, so it should be a good one. And, and I just real briefly let's talk a little bit about the Dallas quarterback situation. Dak Prescott is going to start, but Tony Romo is nearing return, guys. I've shifted positions on this. I, I originally was still you stick with Romo, but after I saw Dak Prescott go into Lambeau and take apart that Packers defense, despite the Packers' poor play uh, this season, I said to myself, this is the guy, and I love his attitude. I love the way he, he, he's a leader. You know, He's got that vibe about him. He's, he went home to see his grandma and fish on, on, during the bye week instead of going on a late-night late night show and talking about an endorsement deal. So he's, he's that kind of leader that you need for a team. He's really impressed me. Dallas has really impressed me. What do you think about their quarterback situation right now? So I've stuck to my guns and said I think they should stick with Tony Romo. I think Dak Prescott has been really impressive, but I just think Tony Romo is a fringe Hall of Fame quarterback, and I'm not ready to just drop him in the dust and say goodbye. Because I think – my question to you would be: Are you then trading Romo? Because are you? Really I think gonna, I think you have to. You're going to just keep him around, right? So you have to trade him and get something out of it. That's a tough thing to do. And you could get something. For You've Tony only Romo. seen six games from this guy. I, you were talking about how we don't really know Mariota when we've seen twenty games from him. Mm-hmm. We've seen six games from Dak Prescott and Tony Romo's first six games. He was probably better than Prescott was. So it's I, a I, small sample I'm size. Just not no ready, doubt. I'm just not ready to move past. What we've seen from Tony Romo, I know that there's a playoff issues, and I am as quick to talk about them as anyone rooting against Tony Romo my entire life. But, I mean, this guy is a really good quarterback. He's third all-time in in QB rating. He's third all-time in that stat. You're ready to So even even if Dak takes apart the Eagles' defense, which has been very good this year, you still think Tony's the guy? Yes, Okay, I, I think I disagree. Press, I, I think Prescott you have to adds a different the dynamic. The fact that he can run is impressive, and he's looked really good. But I just think, I just don't think you can drop Tony Romo like that. Reed. Okay, so if their goal is to win a Super Bowl this year, you put in Tony Romo. I know what your argument is. I don't think 
I'm not going to speak for you, but I, I don't think necessarily you're arguing as much for Prescott as you are for the momentum that comes with him because they are winning so well with him, and if it's, a, if it's right. not broke, don't fix it type of deal. Yeah. I think Prescott's definitely their future, but I, I, I've always agreed with David. I mean, everyone's so quick to forget how good Romo was exactly. when healthy. I, I'm not saying Prescott's not a talented quarterback, but he's really been helped by this offensive line. He's really been helped by their running game. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he'd do this on any roster. So I think it'd be a lot easier for him to take another another year to sit down, and then he'll come back next year. Like Who knows next year? Yeah. We talked about I have, I have a theory that Romo's probably out after this year, maybe next year, to the Jets or to like the Broncos or someone. So I think he's definitely their future. There's a difference between playoff football and regular season football. I think Prescott's are really good. Romo has not been very good in the playoffs. Right. I think he's, he's uh, won two playoff games. But he knows how to drive the ball, the ball down the field. Prescott's putting up great numbers, but I don't think just because my quarterback hasn't, hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions means he's playing well. See, that's the point that I was going to go to. I would say that Prescott hasn't really put up that great of numbers. If you look at his lead, he only thrown seven touchdowns. That's pretty unimpressive for six games. As opposed to one interception. Yeah. The one interception <laughs> is the big thing that you look at, right? And it gives Dallas fans he, a lot of security at the fact that they're not turning the ball over. But I completely agree with Reed that he has the benefit of playing with the offensive line that he does. His Ezekiel Elliott. We've never seen Romo play with Ezekiel Elliott. We saw but him with DeMarco Murray. But that's good football. Not high-volume passing is good football. When you have balance between the run game and the passing game, that is how football is supposed to be played. Right now, Dallas is playing perfect offense. I agree. At some point, this fairy tale is going to take a hit. Dak will probably at some point not play this well. I he's agree. Throw a couple of interceptions. He's not going to just going to never throw picks, right? Right, exactly. And it, look, it happens to everybody. But if your team is beating serious opponents, they 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 trounced Cincinnati, who's a good team in Dallas. Then they went into Green Bay. They trounced Green Bay, and now you're going to face the Eagles at home. If you can do the same to the Eagles, I think there's no justification to putting in Tony Romo, despite how good Romo's been. I'm a Tony Romo fan. I think he's an amazing quarterback. But I don't, I don't know what kind of message that sounds if you take out a quarterback like Dak who's leading your team to first place in the division and you take him out. But they're not playing perfect offense. He has only seven touchdowns thrown. In and an Ezekiel that, Elliott has how many? It doesn't matter. We're talking about Prescott's play. No, I'm talking about their well, whole offense. And but it looks why good. is Romo going to change that much of it? Like well, what? he's a high volume passer typically, and I don't—I I mean, I don't know how he's going to change it. But if they have the right play calling right now, and they have the right chemistry, then you should. Leave Prescott's been—he's been safe, been making the right decisions, but he hasn't been driving the ball down the field. He hasn't been taking those risks, and to have success in the playoffs, you're going to have moments where you have to do that. Well, you're he, going to have—he's growing with each week. He will, and in a couple of years, in a year or two, he may be the guy. But if you want to win a Super Bowl this year, and I think they could with Romo, you put him in. You have him. You're paying him this money. Why not? I it's agree. definitely a hot topic right now. We we dis, we disagree as as do a lot of people on this yeah, situation. Split thing. Um, but either way, Dallas is in good hands with either quarterback. I I firmly believe that. But yeah. uh, uh, I think they should roll with Dak. You guys think Romo? So uh, let's leave it at that and let's get our last fantasy segment before we get into weekly picks. Read who are your sleepers. So you're gonna love this one. My quarterback sleeper for this week is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because even though I don't buy into the whole playing angry long term, I think he's actually going to come out and have a great game. Partially because the Browns suck. Okay, <laughs> They're 0-7. There's not really any good aspects to their team. So I think they're going to really have a field day throwing, throwing the ball. Um, I think he's going to be a lot more conscious and not turn the ball over that much. So the touchdown interception ratio may be good. Uh, and then 
my sleeper for receiver is John Brown for the Cardinals. Now, he's not their number one receiver, but they're going up against the Carolina Panthers, who have disappointingly become one of the worst secondaries in the league. <laughs> and they also have a—you a, might know him. His name's Larry Fitzgerald, who is going to get most of the attention from that poor secondary. So— <laughs> I think he has a he's the type of receiver he's not going to his points aren't going to come from the amount of catches he gets they're yeah. going to come from what he does for the few catches he does have. He's a big play receiver. So I'm saying so I could definitely see him either catching a medium like a 20-yard pass, 15-yard pass and breaking it down the field right. or just seeing Palmer s- sling it 50 yards down the field and he he catches it. Like I said the secondary sucks. Yeah. Catches it and goes another 20. I mean that's he's a really he would be a really good flex I think for people looking to fill that position. Yeah, I think just given the match of Fitzpatrick can be labeled a sleeper. I just I still don't think he'll put up big numbers on Sunday, uh, just because your really only options are Marshall and Anumwa. Um, but I still think they'll get the win, of course. Uh, but I don't, I don't disagree with that. And, and John Brown, yes, big play guy. Uh, but I, I think Larry Fitzgerald, you know, he's ageless and he continues to put up huge numbers. He's a he's a must start for me. And yeah. I actually have him on my team, so I'm going to start him this. Well, week. I don't I don't think Fats, Fitzpatrick is like. A solid fantasy starting quarterback. I'm talking about sleeper as in if, if you you're, need somebody. If, if your quarterback's on a bye right now and for some reason you didn't draft that back, it'd be, oh, let me go get the bearded wonder over there. He'll right. play a week and it'll be all good. Yeah, I mean, I agree. So uh, those are our sleepers. Let's get into some weekly picks. Brendan O'Connell, our producer, is going to come on along with uh, Charlie Maisano, and they're going to chime in with their picks as well. So let's get into that right now. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, so first we have Washington at Cincinnati. David, this is your team, Washington. It's a tough matchup for them. I'm going to go Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's a very good team, and they're at home. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I have, I have bias in this game. It's a big game for Washington. <laughs> they need to, if they want to keep pace in this division, they need this W, so I'm, I'm going with Washington. The Bengals, they have a way better team overall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can give you numbers. A little tension. I I feel the tension already. (laughs) Is Brendan O'Connell and Charlie going to try to get the mic working? Uh, They should be on mic three. Is it working? All right. Well, we'll, we'll, I think David cut them off because he knows they're going to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to hear any other picks. (laughs) I don't want to hear Washington. Well, let's get it. uh, Let's let's just go. Let's just move on while they figure it out. New England, Buffalo. In Buffalo, huge game for the AFC East. If New England lose, if New England wins, uh, Buffalo's, you know, creating a little window there for the Jets and the, and the Dolphins. I think New England's going to win, even though it's in Buffalo. Yep, sticking with the Patriots. I have New England losing. Oh, there it is. Upset. All right. Upset. Hello, can you hear us? Hey! Yes, we got you guys. New England, Buffalo. Who you guys got? We got New England right. for me at least. I got New England. Tom Brady has beaten the Bills 25 times in his career, so I just think he's going to get 26 on Sunday. All right, Charlie, I agree. I mean, Buffalo beat them last time, but New England's going to get one against them. Carolina hosting Arizona. Uh, we just you just had your fantasy sleeper from, from Arizona, John Brown. I'm going to go with Arizona. Yeah, the Cardinals. I think the Panthers are the most disappointing team of this year, and they're going to continue to disappoint. Completely agree that the Panthers are the most disappointing team this year. I'm going with him, though. I think Cam has a bounce-back week after last week when getting all that criticism. I think Cam's going to come back and be inspirational. Nice. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Carolina's going to win. Cam Newton's been angry, and I think he's going to play angry and get the W. All right. Going cards, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a, that's kind of a tough pick. My fantasy quarterback, Newton, so no, I hope you're right. Jets <laughs> of Cleveland, we have, we have the Jets, so let's go to Detroit, Houston. Houston, 
Brock Osweiler. So disappointing. I'm going to go with Detroit, even though it's in Houston. That's a tough one. I'm going Detroit. I agree. Yeah. Detroit, Matthew Stafford, potential MVP candidate. Are we sending it? Yeah, I got Detroit as well. I got Detroit, but at some point we got to talk about just how really bad some of these games are. I mean, <laughs> some of them are just unwatchable. I know. So let's, let's, go back, let's go through them pretty quickly. Casey at Indianapolis. Andrew Luck. Uh, I'll go with Andrew Luck, actually, on this one. Even though Kansas City has a good defense, I do agree with you. Andrew Luck's going to have a field day this week, and they're going to upset. Nope, Kansas City again this week. Yeah, you know, I'm changing my pick. On, Kansas, City. Kansas, City. No. Kansas City. Stick with your guns, no, Christian. I no, I can't. Colts as well. Fickle. I got the Chiefs. <laughs> Colts? Oh, Charlie's got Colts, and Brendan, you have Chiefs. All right. Uh, Seattle at New Orleans. Seattle. Yes, yeah. New Orleans. Oh, whoa. He's getting on that upset train. Yeah, I got Seattle. Saints secondary has been pretty awful this year. Send it. Suffer <laughs> <Tough to> read. <laughs> Send it. Is, is Am I not Corey's part of the thing. team anymore? Oakland at Tampa Bay. Jameis, famous Jameis against Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Give me Oakland. Yeah, Oakland. I love Oakland. Go Raiders. Raiders? Okay. Yeah, I got the Raiders as well. Yeah, sorry about that, Rita. I didn't hear you there, but Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego at Denver. Denver. Uh, yeah, Denver. Yeah, even though they're San Diego's quarter- playing well, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think, and Phillip Rivers, again, another underrated quarterback, I think, for his entire career. Denver, though. Yeah, Denver. That's an easy pick. I want to say Chargers, but I'm going to go Broncos. All right. Uh, Atlanta hosting Green Bay. Atlanta c- coming off a couple losses. Green Bay still not quite in a groove. This is a tough one. I'm, I'll go Atlanta just because they're at home. And Green Bay doesn't have a running back, really. I agree. I agree that this is going to be one of the more interesting games of the week. We were talking about bad games, but this one should be a good one, I think. I got Atlanta as well. I think Atlanta's going to win pretty handedly. I think they're a team we could end up seeing in the Super Bowl, maybe, Ooh. come playoffs. I think. I got uh, Green Bay in this one. This one's tough. I'm going to go Green Bay, though. Oh, okay. Splitting the rooms. Guys behind the glass going with Green Bay. Philly at Dallas. This is the game of the Jeez, week. Sunday here. night football. <laughs> Sunday night football. I'm going with Dallas. Dak Prescott. Dak attack. No, it's over. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is overrated quarterback, <laughs> but he's getting the W this week. I see the Eagles winning. I think they're going to get to Dak Prescott kind of how they did to Bradford the week before. I got the Eagles. Their defense has been pretty amazing lately, so I think they're just going to keep rolling. All right. Cowboys and Dak. Stick with Dak. All right, let's finish off with the toilet bowl. Uh, Chicago, Monday night football against Minnesota. I, I mean, I think Minnesota's a much better team, so I'll just go with Minnesota. Yeah, Brendan was talking about the bad games. I think the big issue with the NFL this year is the primetime games have been terrible. <laughs> the Eagles-Cowboys want to be good. This Vikings-Bay game, who cares if the Vikings are going to get the I win? I can't wait to miss this one. Yeah. <laughs> the, sh- the, the Vikings have showed they know how to win. I don't think they actually know how to lose, though, so I think they're going to have a hard time dealing with last week and compound that, losing to Chicago. I got Minnesota. Vikings. Vikings. All right, good. Well, that's it for uh, this week's edition of NFL Friday. Uh, I had a great time as always, guys. Uh, Thanks to Brendan O'Connell behind the glass doing a great job as always producing. Uh, For Reed Horner and David Ballack, I'm Christian Goey. Tune in next week for another edition of NFL Friday. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.